I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I did to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I ask you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 41. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 14. Genesis 41 and verse 1. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came out upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream. There was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream, and one night I and he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Now, when we last saw Joseph, he was languishing in an Egyptian prison. He was in prison, but he had broken no laws. He was in prison because he had done the right thing. He had honored God with his life. He was in the prison because he had refused the advances of a wicked woman. 
When we last saw Joseph, he was in a place of hardship, but he was still faithfully serving the Lord. He was a man who had his priorities in order. Wherever Joseph was, he could be counted on to be faithful. When we last saw Joseph, he was waiting for a visit from the outside. In chapter 40, verses 9 through 13, Joseph had, had uh, interested a dream from Pharaoh's chief butler. And when Joseph told the butler the interpretation of his dream, he asked for the butler's help in securing his release from prison in chapter 40, verses 14 and 15. But when the butler was released from prison, he immediately forgot all about Joseph. We see that in chapter 40, verse 23. Now, in our text today, we're going to watch as Joseph is delivered from the prison. He's promoted to the palace. And we're going to see the unseen hand of God at work in this man's life. We're also going to see what the Lord did for Joseph he can do for you and I. Friend, he knows where we are. He knows exactly what we're doing. And in his time, he knows how to bring us out of our prisons and place us in the palace. Now we join Joseph once again and notice the circumstances God used to move Joseph from the prison to the palace. Verses 1 through 14, we see Joseph and providence. To anyone looking at the life of Joseph, it must have appeared that the Lord had forgotten about him completely. After all, he was a faithful servant of God, but he was in prison, doing time for a crime that he had not even committed. It only looked like God had forsaken him. God was working behind the scenes to accomplish his eternal purposes. We don't like to accept that, but it is most true. Now, God used three amazing turn of events to bring about Joseph's return, release rather, from prison. Verse 1, we see providential delays. We're told that Joseph waited in that prison for two full years. That was after the butler was released. We're not told how long he was there before those events. And God used the long, grinding years in the prison to teach Joseph patience and dependence. God placed Joseph in a waiting room and left him there until some very valuable lessons had been learned. God taught Joseph to wait on the Lord and to trust in the Lord in spite of the situation at hand. I wonder, have you ever experienced one of those waiting rooms in your life? I'm talking about a time when the Lord seems to have forgotten your address. I'm talking about those times when it seems like your prayers are not being answered, nothing is going like you planned, and it seems God is not interested in you or your need at all. Providential delays are never easy, but they are designed to focus our faith and increase our dependence upon God. 
verses 1 through 8, we see also providential dreams. These dreams caused Pharaoh much concern. In verse 8, it tells us that he was troubled. The word has the idea of being disturbed, greatly distressed. He called for his wise men. These were men who were supposed to be able to communicate with the Egyptian gods and share with Pharaoh the counsel of those gods. Well, they could not interpret the dreams either. It would appear that God closed their minds and caused them all to draw a blank in the matter. I know for sure. And these men never heard from those so-called gods. But I'm also sure that in the times past, they were probably not hearing from them either. They were only venturing a guess. This time, however, they were silent before Pharaoh. And to be a counselor without counsel in that day was a dangerous thing. Now again, in the providential work of the Lord in Joseph's life, God sent the dream to Pharaoh and he also sent a blank mind to all of the counselors to Pharaoh. God was working behind the scenes to accomplish his eternal plan and purpose. <laughs> Isn't that a blessing? Pharaoh and his men thought that they were in control of everything that happened in Egypt. In truth, God was in control of all things, even the heart of the king. Proverbs 21 and verse 1. And friend, that should offer us some hope today. Because the heart of the king is in the hand of God. Our God is sovereign over all things. Isaiah 46, 10 through 11. Isaiah 43, verse 13. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35. Ephesians 1 and verse 11. God is sovereign over all things. And kings rule at the pleasure of the Lord. It doesn't mean that I can't be concerned. It doesn't mean that I cannot be active. But my friend, there's no need to worry about what in the world is going on in our country in the effect that God is not on task. Because God's purpose can never be thwarted by a Democrat or a Republican. He will accomplish his purposes in the world. And before we leave that thought, I need to mention something I mentioned earlier in a message about dreams. God does not speak through dreams in our day. In Joseph's time, they did not have the word of God, the completed canon of scripture. They did not have a complete revelation of God's word. We do in our day, let it be known. God speaks through his word alone. The Bible is superior to dreams and visions in many ways. First, the Bible speaks to many subjects. Dreams are more limited in their focus. Second, Bible, the Bible is far more trustworthy. Anyone can read it. A dream is only known to the dreamer. Third, the Bible is the absolute authority. A dream means absolutely nothing. Fourth, the Bible is certain. It is sure. It is fixed. Dreams fade with time. But no faith in the dreams and visions of the night. Instead, read, study, and build your life upon the word of God. Now, verses 9 through 14. Here's the context. 
the chief butler finally shakes the cobwebs from his mind, and he remembers Joseph. He tells Pharaoh the story, and Joseph is delivered from prison and brought to the palace. The hand of God is seen in this sequence of events, and Joseph is brought to Pharaoh only when Pharaoh has been brought to a place of desperation. On any other day, this powerful ruler would not have listened to anything a prisoner had to say. But on this day, he had no choice. He was desperate for answers, and he was willing to listen to anyone who could possibly give an answer to him. Now, we would do well to remember that our God operates his universe on split-second timing. From the orbit of the tiny parts of every atom to the precise movements of galaxies, God has everything on a schedule. And when we want to see something happen, we want it now. We need to learn that God orders events and the very timing of those events so that all of life runs on his perfect schedule. When did Jesus come to the disciples in the storm? When did Jesus show up at the tomb of Lazarus? When did Jesus arrive at the house of Jairus? When did Jesus pass through the little town of Nahum? When did Jesus take a rest on Jacob's well? When did Jesus go to Calvary? When did Jesus rise from the dead? When did Jesus come to you and save your soul? When will Jesus move your mountain, meet your need, deliver you from your prison? Right on time. He will not be early and he will not be a second late. He's always on time. Now we must move to verses 15 through 36, where we see Joseph and Pharaoh. Joseph stands before Pharaoh and listens as the king explains his dilemma. Joseph listens to the dream. He gives Pharaoh the interpretation. But before he does, Joseph displays true humility and points Pharaoh to God. Even after all that he'd been through, Joseph is not bitter. He's actively seeking ways to bring glory and honor to his king. Joseph is not upset about the delays and the problems he's had to face as a slave and as a prisoner. He immediately sees the providence of God at work, and he's quick to use that opportunity to magnify the Lord. Now for Joseph, everything is about God. In Joseph's mind, Joseph doesn't matter. His battles don't matter. Even Pharaoh doesn't matter. All that matters is the Lord and his glory. Now, when life gets complicated, and it often does, when it seems that God is not moving as we think that he should, and it often does, it's real easy to get angry with him. If we could ever grasp the truth that he orders every moment of our lives, Psalm 37 and verse 23, it would change our perspective. If we could ever grasp the truth that we are where we are because he has placed us there for his own purposes, it would focus our faith on him. 
If we could ever get a grip on the truth that he's working out every detail of life for his glory and our good, we would be ahead of the game. Therefore, we should always be in the business of magnifying him. He's worthy of our our praise, even amidst the darkest days of our life. He's worthy of receiving glory, even when our hearts are breaking. And we should ever strive to lift his name and point others to him. After all, you and I don't really matter. All that really matters is his glory and his will, God himself. Now we move to verses 33 through 36, and Joseph knows that the Lord is in this moment. Thus, he does what no other slave would have dared to do. He not only tells Pharaoh what is about to happen in Egypt, he tells Pharaoh what to do about it. His plan is threefold. First, he recommends finding a wise man to oversee the project. Second, he recommends gathering 20% of all the food produced during the seven years of plenty. Third, he recommends storing up that food and using it to feed the population during the seven years of famine. Now, Joseph's plan is an amazing plan. It's simple, but it will prove it very effective. Not only will the people be able to eat during the famine, but Egypt will have corn to spare. Now, the plan did not originate with Joseph. The Lord put this in his heart, and he shared his heart with the king, and God used a slave to set policy for a kingdom. Now, it's amazing to watch who the Lord will use to accomplish his purposes in the world. He uses some of the most unlikely candidates imaginable. Who but God would have chosen Moses, David, Gideon, and Saul of Tarsus? Who but God would have chosen people like you and me to serve him in these days? But this is his specialty. Because God never calls the qualified. He qualifies the called. Now we see in verses 37 through 44, Joseph and his promotion. Here's the context. Pharaoh likes Joseph's plan. And he decides that he would never find another man as wise as Joseph to administer that plan. In an instant of time, Joseph went from being a slave and a prisoner to being second only to Pharaoh. He was promoted from being over a few prisoners in Potiphar's prison to ruling the whole nation. In this position, he had all the rights and powers of the king. In the absence of the king, he would function in that capacity. No one but God could have accomplished something as astounding as that. Pharaoh even recognized the hand of the Lord on Joseph and gave God glory for what had taken place. Verses 42 through 44, Joseph is given all the emblems of authority. He is placed in the second chariot right behind Pharaoh. Everything, everywhere he goes, people are commanded to kneel before him in respect and reverence. And one day, this slave has become a sovereign. The prisoner has moved out of the prison. He's taken up residence in the palace. It was a powerful and drastic change of life for Joseph, and it was all of the work of God in his life. 
Verse 42, and Pharaoh promoted Joseph. He gave him some uh, new possessions to go along with his new position. He gave him a ring. Now, this ring was Pharaoh's signet ring. It symbolized Joseph's authority to act as Pharaoh himself. He was given the authority to sign the king's name. He was given a robe. Joseph had lost the robe given to him by his father, and that robe said that he was head of the family. Joseph only had that robe for a brief period. He had lost a robe when he ran from Mrs. Potiphar. And that robe identified him as a slave. He only possessed that robe for a short time. Now he's given a new robe made from expensive Egyptian linen. And this robe identified him as the ruler of the land. And Joseph held on to that robe for 80 years. He's also given a gold chain. This chain told everyone who had seen him and everyone who would see him that Joseph was a man to be revered and respected. When he passed by, everyone was to bow at his feet. And giving Joseph these things, the Lord was allowing Joseph to see a partial fulfillment of the dreams he was given years before in Genesis 37, verses 5 through 11. As Joseph rode along in his new chariot, watching the people bow at his approach, he must have given praise to God for his grace and providence in his life. God had taken him from the pit and through the prison, and but in the end, God had brought Joseph to the palace. Can you imagine the conversation at Potiphar's house that evening? Folks, there are times when we think we have been forgotten by God. There are times when we think the wheels of providence have run us over and left us like roadkill beside the highway of life. But that is just how things appear. God has a plan, and he can change our situation in an instant of time. Jesus spoke, and the storm stopped. Jesus spoke, and the dead man, Lazarus, got up. Jesus spoke, and the universe came into being. Friend, he knows where you are today. He knows all about your prison. He knows all about your pain. And he knows what you're facing and all that you've been through. And one day, he will deliver you out of your time of bondage. Until then, stay faithful. Love God. Grow where you're planted. And look for ways to glorify him and wait for him. One day, you will get up and everything will begin to change after weeks and months for Job in Job 4. 42, after weeks and months of suffering, suddenly Job was released from his prison. It will happen in your life too. Just hang on. Now in closing, what are we to take away from this? There are several lessons, but a few stand out as being the utmost of importance to believers. God is in control of all your life. He is working in your life even when you cannot see his activity. He has a plan to deliver you and to promote you in his time. And your primary duty 
in all the situations and circumstances of life is to seek ways to glorify him, even as you patiently wait for him to accomplish his purposes in your life. I wonder, where does this message find you? Are you in need of some divine intervention? You should come seek him for it. Are you growing impatient as you wait for him to move in your life? You should come and seek him and ask him for help to trust him in the days ahead because, my friend, he is the giver of life, but he's also the giver of wisdom. If you need anything from God, come and ask for it because he's the God that giveth.